0: Hey, I'm Michael Durenda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 35 of the North Meet South Web Podcast.
1: Crispy. And I'm recording. Hey, man.
0: How's it going? All right. So. Got some uh, doing well. Hay fever kicking my ass.
1: Oh, Itchy not eyes. the dreaded hay fever again. Itchy throat. Yeah. Every year. Every year. Every year. Poor Michael. This is
0: the trade off. I don't have. It, it's not cold, but I have hay fever. Yeah. It's, Thankfully, uh, it only see, lasts getting... like six or seven weeks, just at the beginning of of spring, and then it seems to go away towards the the later part of it and mostly stays away during summer which is nice
1: that's still a heck of a time though man six or seven weeks is like itchy eyes runny yeah. nose, that sort of stuff
0: yeah i've got some antihistamines that i usually take for it but um i didn't i went to bed a bit later last night and by the time i went to bed it was too late to, to take them otherwise Bummer. i just feel groggy all day yeah
1: yeah that's that's kind of a tough trade-off you know it's like you got to decide based on the day what you're going to do if you're going to stick with the hay fever symptoms or if you're going to go through grog yeah it's the worst during
0: the week when you're at work if i forget to take it at night or if i've got a late basketball game it's the worst because i can't really take it before i go to basketball and i can't take it when i come back because it's too late so you just have to suck it up the next day
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no thanks man no thanks i'm hoping to avoid the flu this year Oh, man. Got it last year. Something terrible. Yeah. Knocking wood here. Knocked down wood, man. I managed, I managed to avoid it this, this, this year. Good deal. I heard that if you drink lots of grape juice, that that does something for you. Uh, yeah, so. I
0: bought myself a, uh, like a bottle of horseradish and garlic tablets, which is basically what they put in mm. cold and flu tablets. Really? And just one a day, That's... yeah. Huh. One a Horseradis day, and some garlic. vitamin C, okay. kept it away. My wife caught it twice, I think oh my gosh uh and i just powered through i usually i usually get some kind of cold-like symptoms at the change of seasons especially when you go into summer and that that first night it's like driving home from basketball with the windows down and you've got a wet head because you've just been running around and
1: then the next day it hits me so i have to be careful not to do that this year i have to be extra vigilant Okay, enough about our old man sicknesses here. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to start talking about, you know, our body aches and then how we can't sleep at night and how yeah. we need a different mattress. And I have no problem sleeping, but I
0: went for a run yesterday.
1: Uh, it was probably about
0: two and a, was the first run that I've gone on since, since I was in New York, actually. And uh, yeah, I made two and a half kilometers and then I got home. We went shopping yesterday and then sat on the couch playing NBA most of the afternoon and when I went to bed last night, I could already feel that today was going to be a sore day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say that I've been exercising at all, but I have not. The most exercise that I get these days is throwing the football around with Graham, which is <laughs> pretty awesome. He's uh my little kid, my little man, my little six-year-old. He's throwing mm-hmm. football and wants to do all sorts of fun stuff these days. So he's old enough to do it now, and we can do some of that stuff. It's pretty fun, pretty cool. What were you saying the other day you were... You had some whole 30
0: breakfast and then you went to a bake sale? Is that some <laughs> diet thing you're trying
1: or what? Oh, gosh. Have you ever heard of whole 30? You no, know what whole 30 is? Not at all. Okay. It's just like, have you ever heard of paleo? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of like paleo. It's okay. like no grains, no sugars, no nothing, whatever. So it's like no legumes, which is like any sort of yeah, bean nuts, or any sort of almonds, like. Yeah. yeah. Any sort of that stuff. So, um, yeah. So it's been interesting. So it's a lot of meat and I'm cool with that. But like yeah. the whole 30 thing was up. We did it for 30 days. You do it for 30 days. That's whole 30, right? Yeah. And so the 30 days was up and I just like demolished this bake sale. <laughs> <laughs> they had this bake sale fundraiser thing at work. And one of my, my buddy, I was like, dang it, I don't have any cash. And he was like, I do. I got a 20, just like they're 50 cents a piece. Take whatever you want. So I took like <laughs> a piece of peanut butter cake. I took like a cookie, I took uh, like, oh, some lemon, like some lemon bars, some pumpkin bread, some, I mean, just ridiculous. And then, and then one, another guy had a birthday party that day and I ate a piece of chocolate cake too. It was of just you it did. Was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible, you know, but yeah. hey, whatever. I I'm feeling good now. So
0: I find it harder, especially at this new job, everyone tends to eat takeout a lot during you know lunch breaks and stuff and it's really hard to just stick to eating my own whatever i've brought from from home that day on on friday the boss and all all of the c-suite were in because they had paperwork to sign for the um the acquisition so they were all signing that and the ceo goes oh have you got lunch i said yeah yeah yeah." he goes so we're getting burgers from this place and i swear this place has the best burgers i've had in adelaide and i he's like my shout i said okay well." I'm not one to turn Come down. On, a, tell me my me said like my
1: shout. Did you just say my shout? My shout. My shout. Does that mean like on me? That was on me, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Is that that must that must be an Aussie thing? My yeah, shout. My shout. Okay. That's and then new every day. you know
0: you go to the pub and there's always one guy in every group that you call Whispers. Mm, really? Yeah. Do you, have you made can you make I, that connection between Whispers? Whispers. Nope. Whispers is the guy that never shouts. <laughs>
1: he's the guy who never pays for everybody's drinks ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he just comes and mooches off everybody else that's it so whispers (laughs) is the general nickname for that guy that's hilarious that's hilarious that would not be you that does not characterize mr dorinda mr dorinda is overly generous
0: that's 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 very
1: nice thing for you to say (laughs) it's true though it is true every single ebook okay let me just tell you people if you ever have an ebook or an e-course or an (laughs) e-whatever And you advertise that this guy is going to be buying it. He yeah. he might not ever read it. He might no. not ever watch the videos. But Michael will be one of your first customers, guaranteed. That is true, guaranteed. So Michael, I just have a prediction that if you ever come up with something, you're going to have all these people. That just you know, it's just paybacks. You know, they're yeah. just going to buy it just because you bought theirs already. Fingers crossed. So speaking yeah. of yeah, yeah, hopefully speaking of that, why don't we transition into uh, a couple of our uh, tech things? The first thing I wanted to talk about before we forgot before we forget because i've been forgetting to talk about it for the last couple of times mr andrew delpredi and what is this with me prefixing everybody's names with mister mister why do i do this i don't know why i do this I don't know. it's thing. like everything's
0: so, little maybe it's maybe yeah. you should have gone the whole hog and gone little mr andrew delpredi
1: little mr andrew delpredi uh yeah so uh andrew has got a course out there on javascript promises and it's at, I think, fiveminutedev.com. I'm going to double check that real yeah, quick. Yeah, F I V E M I N D E
0: V. F-I-V-E-M-I-N-D-E-V.com.
1: Which this is kind of like his new thing, the wildly educative natured counterpart of Andrew Delpredi. So he's got two different courses he's working on. The JavaScript Promises one is launched. It's done. So he's got maybe like 12 different videos, I think, out there. I think there's and 10. And pretty good. So or rather, ten. Okay, there is 10 because I just watched them before we recorded. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And actually, it was really interesting because this last week, I had a chance to um, use this because it was just, I had been watching some of the videos and it just popped into my mind. I'm like, oh, wait, I think I can use Promises for this. So this is one of those things like Promises have always been kind of like a an enigma wrapped in it what is that saying a mystery Uh, wrapped in an enigma
0: yeah i know i know what you're going with it i don't know what the saying is
1: yeah that's the saying i think so uh promises always has always have always been a mystery wrapped in an enigma but they're Mm. very incredibly incredibly powerful and uh the thing that i actually used it for which was a little bit weird is we have this game that we're developing for this conference this is how awesome the places that I work for. They were like, "Hey, why don't we just make a game? Why don't we just build a game for this conference?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I'll put one of the juniors on it." So, with this guy who's kind of an intern more than a junior, and uh, he's he's making this game, and we needed to be able to spawn enemies at this random amount of time, but we only ever needed to spawn one enemy at a time, and you can't change the interval at which you're doing something once you do a set interval. So you can't say like set interval, then pass in a function and say like. 200, and then the next time 400, and then the next time 500. So you can, you know, you have to set timeouts after each other. So you have yep. to say, set a timeout, and then after that one has come back, set a timeout again. And then after that one has come back, come back, and, you know, set a timeout again. And so the way that we ended up solving this was with recursive promises, nice. which was pretty cool. So you have a function that returns a promise. And when that promise resolves, it returns, I'm sorry, when that promise resolves, the then function calls itself again. Calls that main function again, so I'll just kind of spell it out here. Okay, right. so I have a function called spawn. It returns a promise. It says return promise. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Nope, nope, nope. That's not it. It sets up. Oh crap! And I'm not. Now I'm not going to remember how I did it. <laughs> anyway, in the promise body, you have return new promise. And then you pass in the resolve and the reject. And then you, in there, set a timeout in the body of the function that you're, setting th- you're sending through into the promise. Mm-hmm. And then after the timeout calls, you call resolve on the promise. And you pass through whatever you need to. And then on the then method, you chain, call that function again. So that's what it does. Anyway, it was super helpful. And Andrew Delpredi's course allowed me to be able to get there. So he, he does a lot of stuff. There's also this promise all thing where you can basically have a bunch of promises yeah. that are all kind of grouped together in an array and you can say promise all when all these are done. So anyway, it's really neat. If you ever had questions about promises and you want a good teacher to kind of explain it, Andrew does a great job of kind of making this stuff really simple. Uh, it's 15 bucks normally, but we actually have a discount code for all of our listeners because Andrew is such a nice guy. He sent us a code. So it is, let's see, what is it? NMS Promise. Yeah. So you can go to five mindevcom go to buy the promise course and type in NMS promise and it's five bucks off. So you'll get it for 10 bucks, actually nine ninety nine. So yeah, uh, check that out. I know Andrew would be really grateful. He's a, just a great guy in general. And, uh, so support him if you can, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. I have, I have two things to add to that in watching it. Hit me. Let's hear it. In, uh, in watching that video series, number one, it assumes that you have some level of understanding of modern JavaScript syntax, so ES6 or ES2015, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you do need to brush up on that or you're not familiar with it, we'll put the link in the show notes, but there's a, an ES6 crash course on Laracast. Uh, which is free, so you don't even need to have a Laricar subscription. You can check it out. The other thing is that if you've ever used Vue Resource or if you've used Axios, you have used Promises, whether you know it or not. So this is a great course that, that basically explains how and why those things are used and the roots. You know, Originally, it was pretty common in jQuery using the Ajax methods as well the way that it was handled with like the success and fail methods and things like that. So promises, I guess, came from that sort of mentality or that mindset just to make it easier to process requests.
1: Right. Cause like Ajax, the whole, the whole thing with Ajax, right? The the A stands for asynchronous. Yeah. Right. And so asynchronous, the idea of asynchronous is that it fires and then you can do whatever else you need to do while you're waiting for it to return. So in jQuery, you know, the solution was you had your Ajax call and then you would chain a then onto it. And that's, you know, that's exactly what promises do. Yeah. And then on, I think in, uh, in jQuery, it was dot error. After that, you could chain them cause it's fluent. Of course, dot error would accept, you know, whatever would come back. If you got a status code higher than a 300, I think 400 or greater. Yeah. yeah. So promises are, are, are basically that except for you can d- re- determine to resolve or reject based on what you get in your function that you're passing in. So yeah, they're super, super powerful. And a good point about the ES 2016 syntax stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you've not gotten around to to learning that yet, it's definitely worth your time. I mean, you're going to have to learn it at some point, you know, if you're going to do any sort of front end stuff. It's just that's where everything's moving. So, yeah. Yeah. Andrew doesn't
0: cover any of that stuff at all. It's just assumed knowledge, I think, or a prerequisite for the video series. So he will use that syntax. And if you find yourself looking at it and not understanding it at all, then yeah, definitely take a step back and, and check out the series on Laracast.
1: Also, no semicolons. No semicolons. What the heck, Andrew? Yeah, I noticed no that. No semicolons. What are your thoughts on this? I want to hear uh,
0: it. I just use semicolons because I use semicolons in PHP, so it's easier. Like it's Agreed. It's, it's, uh, what's the word? Not fluid. It's just like second nature. I just hit the semicolon yeah. when I get to the end of the line. Yep. So
1: Totally agree. It's much easier to transition yeah. between the two. So it was funny. One of our devs this week... He didn't put semicolons on the end of like this block of code and the, in the first code review, I didn't catch it. And then in the second code review, I was like, Hey, can you put semicolons on the old, end of all this? He's like, yes, <laughs> I guess I can put semicolons <laughs> on the end of it. It's like, it doesn't, it's like, you know, it's so nitpicky, right? Yeah. But it's like, eh, you gotta do it. Okay. Hey, I wanted to talk about some of the things that we, we don't get to talk about anymore kind of is like some of the things that we are working on in Laravel. So I've got, two little things that i wanted to talk about uh that are things that i've been doing in laravel this last week and then throw it to you to see if you've got any of those as well sure let's go all right um first things first do you remember how i said like all the wonderful things about minio Mm -hmm. it is still wonderful bad news bad news on the windows file system if you have a sim link you can read you can delete but you cannot move or copy Ugh. into that folder or write into that folder at all. There's always something. Which is hugely limiting. It's like, "Are you kidding me?" So, we're working around it, but that's that's kind of a pain.
0: I wonder if that's a limitation of Minio or if it's a limitation of Windows or if it's just a limitation of how symlinks work. It's
1: the way that it, the way that it is is like Minio has no plans to support it. There's been people who have brought it up, and essentially what what Minio thinks it is, is it thinks that it's a multi-disk environment or a multi-file system environment, and it before it moves or copies something, it writes it into a temp directory and then moves it after the right. fact, and it will not move across file systems. Okay. So it sees a symlink as a different file system, and it says, nope, not going to do that. So it won't. Even if it's on the same server, which on the in the case that I'm talking about, it is. It's just a symlink to location on the same exact server, yeah. but it won't do it. Okay. Yeah. Which sucks Mm. because, you know, the naming conventions that you have to use for Minio, it's not terrible. It's just like, you know, what we're basically doing is we're trying to throw Minio on top of a legacy file structure. And so it doesn't work really. It doesn't play nicely. And so we're sim linking these folders so that all of the processes that are in place that currently use that folder structure don't have to change. And we can just kind of, you know, layer something on top of it. But by using sim links, you basically remove your ability to write. So... We're working on it. We're working on it. you figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. If you find yourself using Minio locally uh, for testing stuff and you want to use AWS in your live, one of the problems is that you cannot use the same file system config. So in your file system.php, you're going to have, like, if you have an S3 file system, you're going to have, like, user you know, key, secret, region, sdk version or whatever you know api version and the bucket Um, yeah and i think oh and bucket and i think that's it with minio there's two extra config items you have to have i think it's use path style endpoint and then endpoint url endpoint i think Mm -hmm. are the two additional kind of like config options you have to have so you have to say for the endpoint you have to say like HTTP colon slash slash one colon 9,000. And that's the disk, you know, that's the location on your computer that you're pointing yep. it to. And then use path style endpoint, you just set to true. So you would think that if I'm going to be switching it to production, I could just set that use path style endpoint to an ENV and then swap that to false. And then when I push it to production, it won't use the endpoint and it'll just use S3 and everything's hunky dory. But it doesn't. If those config options are provided, then it will not work. So what you end up having to do is you end up having to have a file system config for your local and a file system config for your production. So you end up having to have two different file system yeah. configs. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So what I did was I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to do that. So I made a custom driver mm-hmm. called S3 swap. And all it does is it just basically in the driver version of the config, you just instead of calling S3 as the driver, you just call S3 swap. And what it'll do is it'll check to see if it's in production. And if it is in production, it will intersect that config Mm -hmm. and remove those two those two config options so it works really well so you can just in you know in your local or in your testing environment it will keep those in there so it will use your minio disk and then in production it takes those two config options out before it news the news the disk up and you're good to go so you only have to have one config which is really convenient
0: that is, makes it much easier than having to deal yes. with what swapping it out at run or between environments
1: yeah because like if you had like one of them called s3 backup and one of them called minio backup or something or s3 docs and, and, and minio docs then like actually in your code you have to call storage disk and then what i mean then you're gonna have to swap out which disk you're yeah. using it's just yep. it's a mess so anyway that was my solution there we Very go. Good. That's me. That's Lovely. all. I, that's all I've been doing in Laravel recently. There's plenty of other stuff, but that's what I've been doing. The stuff. Very cool. How about you?
0: I uh, I also have been playing with S 3 not Google Cloud, oh, but nice. actual S3, nice. um, and and banging my head over the desk trying to get file uploads to work. Now, okay. Let me. Let me provide some context. Uploading files with Laravel to different drivers or two different disks is easy. You use the storage facade. You configure the disk. You just upload yep. the file, and it's fine. The issue that I have is that I'm dealing with large files, and if you're using those storage files, what you're what you're doing is you're uploading the file from your end user to your server, and then from your server. To S3, right. Now with right. large files, I don't want to process, you know, like a two gig file in and then a two gig file out. Yikes. What yeah. I want to do is basically just act as a proxy between myself or you know my user uploading a file and S3.
1: Like stream it, yeah.
0: Yeah. So basically, stream the file straight from the from the browser to S3. So what I've had to do, uh, and I chose to use Drop, drop Zone which is a really cool, really simple utility. It's based on top of jQuery, I'm pretty sure. At least the project that I was working on had jQuery in it. So let's assume that it that needs jQuery as as a prerequisite. So that's, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. jQuery now is actually
1: still, you know, it's very big and bloated, but it's nice enough, it works. Um, yeah, yeah. They've stripped out a lot of the legacy support, right? So like- Yeah. It doesn't, it's like it doesn't support anything below IE 10, I think, or something yeah. like that. So a lot of that cruft that was in there from like the old IE 7, 8, 9 days is, yeah. is out of there. So yeah. it's a lot lighter than it used to be anyway. It certainly is.
0: And and it's been a while since I've used jQuery. Um, so all of the functions, like some of the... We were talking about promises and stuff. A lot of those method names have changed. So it used to be uh, success and fail. It's the, the, the names have changed to something else now. I don't remember off the top of my head what they were. But, but that was not an issue, you know, drop zone, you basically drop it in and it works for the most part. The issue that I have is because I'm uploading from the client directly to S3 is that you need to sign the requests for the files that are going from the browser to S3. Okay. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to do in that request.
1: Ah, uh, I see you need what you're saying. To... So you're saying that, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to wrap my head around where you're, how you're doing it. So you are actually just literally acting as a little proxy. So it's not like the credentials are hidden behind your server. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So I still
0: have the AWS. You know the the key and the secret and all of that kind of stuff. But you have to sign the request in order to be able to post to you know HTTP colon slash slash bucket name dot ap one sydney or whatever dot s3 amazon.com okay so in the same way that you would sign a url to a private resource to allow someone to access that file you need to sign the sure. request to upload the file okay but the issue i have is that i don't know what the file name is up front right i also rewrite the file name so we use like a random string for the file and then we put it in a location uh you know in a faux directory on s3 so it goes into slash users slash media or slash users slash avatar or whatever so i was up probably much too late working on this last sunday night i was up to about midnight 1am and you know it was so close and i was just getting these errors that the the key at the you know the payload didn't match and it wasn't you know the key that i had generated or the signature that i had generated didn't match what uh, s3 generated for the request that was coming in and so it all just blew up and as with all of these things when i looked at it the next day it took me about five minutes to realize uh, what the fix was so i i'm i think i'm gonna talk about it at uh, our meetup this month on thursday but i will probably put a blog post out about doing it because it's it's tricky to find anything a lot of the examples are in other languages or they're uh, examples that are from years ago that don't really help but i guess the crux of it is that in your form basically you can pre-sign the upload and just say that this signature will last for one hour or two hours, you know, sure. dealing with large yeah, files, yeah. you know, to make sure that users have enough time to upload the file. But the issue that I came down to was when signing the request HMAC, the, the hash HMAC function in PHP, will by default give you a string signature, whereas Amazon is ex- is expecting there to be raw, like raw binary. So okay. there's just like literally a Boolean flag that you pass as, as one of the parameters, the last parameter that defaults to false. All I had to do is change it to true and everything else that oh, I gosh. had done before that was was fine. So, so yeah. yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, so the form that you actually have on your page that you're using for drop zone, that has a like post URL that, yeah. that goes yep. directly to your S3 bucket? That is correct, yeah. Interesting. I had never thought about doing that. That is an interesting approach. Count yourself lucky. <laughs> well, because um, I think we're doing something similar to this, but we're using like, we're not using disk, like storage disk, whatever. We're using uh, the SDK for Amazon multi-part uploads. Okay. Yeah. So you, with a multi-part upload, you can upload objects up to 5 gigs in size. Mm-hmm. But they're still passing through your server? I'm it- sorry. With a put object operation, you can use 5 gigabytes. With a multi-part, you can do 5 terabytes in size. Right. Okay. So multi-part uploads are designed to improve the upload experience for larger objects. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're using. I, I don't know where we're using. I can't remember. I'm gonna have to go look at it. But yes, I think we are kind of streaming it through our server. Yeah. So we don't have the form URL directly on our the post URL isn't directly an S3 sort of location. It's an, it's our location. Yeah. But we can still pass our validation rules and all that stuff and do yep. all the other things we want to do before we send it up. But mm-hmm. it's, it's still a multi-part upload, I believe.
0: Yeah. So using Drop Zone or using any form, you can post directly. So it's just HTTP. And I don't know why it's HTTP. HTTPS didn't seem to work for me for some reason. It's odd, yeah. Which is which is weird. But yeah, you just post a HTTP colon slash slash bucket dot S3 dash region dot amazonaws.com and then you pass in some hidden input fields so you use your public aws access key you provide a hidden acl a hidden policy which you generate which basically specifies you know that a user can't upload a video file or that they can only upload an mp3 file
1: that's a policy that you define yeah it's a policy document okay um, which is just the json string that's interesting though So that is kind of like your validation then. Your policy that you define on on AWS is like your... Okay.
0: So you can define a key, for example, which would be the name of the file, the location that it goes to. So users slash, media slash, and then it has to start with something or, you know, some other way of controlling what that is. Uh, I don't really care what the file name is. I just say that it starts with an empty string. So it, it will accept anything. And then it goes to a certain bucket so that, you know, users aren't trying to use your form to then post to a different bucket or post that makes good some sense, yeah. some garbage in there.
1: And that's part and, of the policy.
0: Yeah, and that's all part of the policy. Gotcha. So cool. Um yeah, as I said, the, the documentation that I that I found for it wasn't very good. There wasn't you know it's not directly supported by drop zone. It's just something that, that you have to make work. I was pre-signing the form as I said. So I just say post to this This signature will be valid for one hour or two hours or whatever it was yeah. that, that I configured it to. There are other ways, like you can hook into different events in the upload lifecycle using Dropzone so that it would sign the exact file on the fly and then append the form data into the form before it gets sent to Amazon. And it works that way. But yeah, it's a, it was an interesting experience, one that I hope not to have to replicate again in the near future. However, I will. Yeah, I'll probably put a blog post up about it as well. Yeah, just you so that I'm interested. When I have to do it again, I can look at my own blog post. Yeah. Go, so ah, when that's when you get right, the, that's how you do it.
1: when you get a response from the from AWS, does it include like a you know what what information does it send back to you? Uh, that is a good question. Like like you know, are you using that to say like or you know? I guess my I, I'm trying to look or think about like the context in which you're using this. So is this like a single step in the process of like a larger form, you know what I mean? Is it yeah. like this is like the last step or is this like a one, like is that the only form value being submitted? There's just this one image? In this instance, it is. Okay.
0: Because the drop zone attaches to a form. You can't, uh, to my understanding, you can't have drop zone on the page as well as some other form.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: So, and it's a multi-upload thing, but you can only upload one file at a time. So you can drop three or okay. four files on there and then it will just upload them one uh, one after the other
1: got it okay so like your system your system like on the back end you know like okay they uploaded an avatar and then you can say like essentially i don't care what the file name is just go into user slash bu- or you know bucket slash user slash ide slash yeah. whatever's in there is the image that i'm going to use yeah okay got it because I, st-
0: I mean you still have the file name sure and i
1: know what the key is because i've set that
0: so, I have yes. pre-generated the key and then I have stored that in a in a record in my, my database. Yeah. And then I just wait for a 204 from Amazon when the upload finishes. And then I then attach what that key was back to that file. Makes sense. So, yeah, Amazon gives you a 204. I think you can tell it what... You used to be able to tell it what key to give back, what, what response code to give back. I don't think that works anymore. I think it you have to give it like a redirect location. And it will I don't know if it redirects the user or if it just posts some data back. I didn't I didn't play around with it. Once I got it uploading and doing what I needed to, I left it as quickly as possible. So Gotcha. One gotcha. caveat that I did come across, and this is an issue that I have come across on a few occasions in the past, is that PHP's version of the ISO 8601 date format is not actually ISO 8601 compatible and it it's noted in the documents for whatever reason. I don't know why. So once once I had the signing of the document of the policy document and the signature all correct, I would actually get back useful information from Amazon's API saying this key was invalid or you can only you can only pass one version of key and it has to be the last thing in the form or you know your your date format was invalid. So yeah I had to manually specify you know Y M D T G I S Z. Because apparently what what PHP uses is is, is invalid. but um, yeah, I will
1: I will aim to write a post about that this week. Yeah, awesome. hopefully save some other people some pain, right? Myself included in that. Yeah, very cool. Um, hey, so I thought that I don't know if you're a reader. Are you a reader?
0: I have this book right here on my desk that i just about finished. Rework. Ooh. Rework. yes, yeah. I
1: do. This is by the dudes at Basecamp, right? Yeah,
0: Jason Freed and David Heinemeier Hansen. So I'm okay. on the last going I want to put
1: you on the spot here. All right. Yeah. Two things, two things that you've picked up from this book that you feel like were very helpful or enlightening or something you hadn't thought about before. Um gee, helpful one thing that I found helpful, but certainly something I've thought about
0: before. Is, uh, there's a there's a section in there that talks about saying no and Mm. like not not basically not saying yes to every single request that comes in but listening to your users listening to your customers listening to the pain points because you don't have to remember the things that that your customers will keep telling you about basically but if someone comes you know if one person comes to you with a request that's one person you don't have to write it down you don't have to remember it because if you hear that request a second time or a third time or a fourth time, you'll know that, yeah, that request has come multiple times. So that was that was one thing. There was, and this is the annoying thing about having the the hardcover version of this book is that I can't highlight and remember things as easily as I'd like. I was talking to someone about this. I think it was my wife. Maybe I think my short term memory is a bit shot, and like I can read <laughs> something and forget it an hour later. But there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, I don't remember the specifics of it, but there's a lot of good stuff in here about hiring, you know, when to hire, you know, there's a whole chapter on it. So, I'm probably going to have to reread the book maybe two or three times so the information sticks. Yeah. But the first time through, I was sort of just reading it so the information went into my head. But the next time I read through it, I might sit with my iPad and take some notes as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They say I I was talking to a guy the other day. You know, it's actually the CEO of our company. He said the only thing that'll be different about you in five years is the people you met and the books you read. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I completely 100% agree with all of that, but it is interesting. Like even these books, like even if you don't like have like, hey, I highlighted this one particular thing and this and whatever. You are what you think about, kind of thing, you know. So like, as you read these books, they do just kind of enter your mind and like just kind of shape the way you think, even if it's not a specific. Point that you picked up that said, like, oh, this one thing is just they're in your head now. You know what I mean? And it'll just, you know, even in just subtle ways, kind of shift yeah. the way that you think about certain problems or about certain things.
0: Yeah, there are certainly things in there that I have read and I've gone, I've heard that before, and that feels like something that I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, things that kind of validate my own thought processes, whether sure. or not, whether or not. These are thought processes that I've got because of the people that I associate with, you know, that a lot of the Laravel community sort of leans on DHH and some of his thought processes and that stuff kind of filters through. So, I don't know necessarily that they're original thoughts of mine, but they're certainly thoughts and ideas that that I have come across
1: previously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been reading a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Maybe you've heard about it. Uh, I heard you talk about it. Really? I've this, So this is a pretty popular book, apparently. It's been out for a long time. And it's very well read by a lot of people who are far smarter than I am. It's a thick book. It's a thick book, small print. It's a slog to get through. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. actually pretty well written, but it's just like, it's a lot of content. But man, it is really, really good. Man, I'm trying to think of like, so there's, there's these, you know, obviously there's like these seven habits, right? And the first yeah. three, I think the first three deal with like personal victory. It's like a, kind of about, about developing like your character as like the base of all the things that you do, right? Like, mm-hmm. so if you can't experience like personal victory in these things, like if you haven't disciplined yourself to experience personal victory, you know, whether it's in, oh man, I'm going to forget all the things now because it's 1230 and my brain is like shot. but that's the base. And then from there, it works into like public victory. So like, these are the three other habits that you can practice that kind of will help you win public victory. One of the things that's been really good for me, uh, one of the habits is first seek to understand then to be understood. So like Mm -hmm. this idea of like listening empathetically, really listening through the mind of like the speaker and attempting with your best effort to understand what they are saying before you inject yourself into that situation, right? Yeah. Like they talk about this idea of psychological air, even. So, like when you're suffocating, nothing else matters except the fact that you can get air. Once, once you can, you know, once you can breathe, then every then that becomes less important, and you don't even think about it, right? You're free to do other things. But if you are suffocating, the only thing you care about is air. They talk about like one of the basic human needs is for people to feel understood and like validated, right? And so they by, they say by like allowing somebody to speak to you and you know validating their point, and maybe not validating, but like understanding their point and them feeling understood, right? You give them that air, and now they can let go and listen to what you have to say back because yeah. they feel like they've been understood, yeah, right? And so that's been really good for me just to try and be a better listener and not to inject and try and like speak my biography into their life just to, you know, be, be, be a good listener. And this has helped even with my kids too. Right. So kind of the pattern they give is like to the best way to do this when you're first learning it is to just repeat back exactly what they said Mm -hmm. to them to kind of, you know, yes, that's what I meant kind of thing, uh, which gets annoying really quickly, but the, the end goal is to rephrase what they said and reflect feeling. So rephrase the thing that they said and reflect the feeling that they're giving towards you, like the emotion that they're giving towards you. And so it's been really interesting, even with my six-year-old, just to do this and see how much he opens up because it's just like he's listening to me. Like I'm not like speaking at him like he's had a problem at school or whatever instead of like me Saying, like, well, this is what you should do about that. Just like yeah. reflecting, like, this is what you're saying and this is how you're feeling about it. And then he'll just continue on and continue on and continue on. And then eventually they get to the point where they say, like, well, what do you think about that? And then I have a chance to now talk to him about like, here's my experience and whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like you're forcing it on him because you're they're asking you for it. Anyway, yeah. that's it's it it works in the in the um in the environment that we're in too though. Like, you know, the people who are coming to you with their problems, your client who may be, you know, your coworker essentially, they want to feel heard. So a lot of times, am I, I'm guilty of hearing the first five words of their problem and being like, "Oh, I know the solution to this." I yeah. Know what, you know, in my head, I'm already thinking yeah. up database schemas, right? Yeah. And uh, and then you stop listening. Yeah, it's really rude yeah. to do that, right? And to yeah. assume that I somehow know their problem better than they do. So, it's been it's been really good for me, really enlightening, and very very helpful. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend the book. There's lots of other good stuff in there, but I'll I could talk forever. Yeah. So I'll I like I like that you brought up empathy because that
0: is something that I wanted to to talk about as well something that i've been going through now is a lot of the a lot of the things that i've heard over the last two almost three months that i've been in my new job are problems that i created solutions for when i last worked at an isp okay so i haven't been at an isp since 2012 so it's been five years and a lot of the problems that that this new job is is coming across are problems that I came across when I started at an ISP in two thousand and six. They're the same problems. They're they both at the same sort of stage of their uh, of their life. You know, they've both been around about ten years when I when I came into there, and they're both hitting the same pain points. So it's it's tricky for me because I've heard and solved these problems before, but because yeah. they're coming across them for the first time, I also don't want to. I, I, I try not to impress upon them that, you know, this is a solved problem and that, you know, right. like I'll just go and fix it. I want, right, right. Because uh, then, then there's no discovery, I think. So, yeah, empathy is a, a really big one. And listening to some of the different departments within the business and the way that they go about and the way that they think about themselves and their, and their, I guess, their value and their position within the business is interesting. For As someone like I have been at both ends of the spectrum, I've been the person that that didn't know and I've also been the person that got to the point where I thought I knew everything and now I've sort of centered back to the person where I know enough to know what I don't know and so it's interesting to see people at opposite ends of that spectrum from like a, I'm like a observer now up here, it's very interesting, it's my wife has told me like now you know what it was like when you were the you know <laughs> you were that person 10 years ago kind of thing <laughs> right and, you know how your how your managers felt and all that kind of stuff and you know, i agree with her you know if you if you haven't learned anything in 10 years then uh, you haven't been paying attention but um right sure yeah, it's interesting. You're probably
1: also not getting any promotions if you haven't like, yeah. Anything yeah, in 10 that's years. Right. You're so probably at the same job you were at ten years ago. Yeah.
0: Like it's very funny that how the technical people see themselves in a in a way that I guess has some level of superiority against the people that are responsible for interacting with our customers on the phones. It's and tempting, it's, man. And like it's hard. Because, you know, I haven't been there that long, so I don't want to butt heads with anyone. But at the same time, and this is another another thing that I, that I just read last night, which is why it's fresh, is that you get to the point where people are just saying, yes, yes, yes. You don't have anyone to say, no, that's a bad idea. Like, no one is shouting these people down saying... You know, the people that answer the phones and deal with our customers are just as important as the people that run the network. Yeah. And you know, the people that run the yeah. network are like, oh, if we didn't run the network, then those people wouldn't have a job. And it's like, yeah, but if those people weren't there signing the customers up, then there'd be no no need to have yeah, a network. Right. So that's right. It's it's funny sitting in, in the middle and sort of observing that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm really trying, yeah, as you say, with, with the empathy, I'm just trying to dial back and I'm trying to listen. Because, you know, the problems have their own unique spin on them. Before I was working with ADSL, now I'm working with wireless. So the problems are similar, but like wireless has its own challenges that the yeah. cabled internet didn't have.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The um, Did you bring that up as far as like, you know, the who, at the end of the day, like who's really actually the important ones? Like it's who's actually doing the work that's bringing the money in the door? Who are the producers, mm. right? It's not you guys. You guys are yeah. an expense yeah it is an expense item it is not bringing anything in yeah you know so it's like really at the the end of the day those people are your clients they are your customers like you are there to serve them which is so it's not at all how it's viewed 99.9 percent of the time like it is seen as like those people are an inconvenience to the it department and we just run things and Mm. you know if it wasn't for us you guys wouldn't and it's like no 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 that's backwards yeah um which we're is, all one business,
0: uh, and all of our all of our goals, irrespective of whether we're call center staff or or managers or network engineers or developers, all of our job is to provide a service end to end, which includes support and includes the actual delivery of that service to our customers who pay the
1: bills. That's yep. That's good, man. Yeah, that's good. That's a good. Those are good reminders because it is really tempting. That happens so much. Like this elitism. Yeah. Right? Like I'm, I'm more technically natured, like in my position. So therefore I am, you know, somehow superior. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and the mentality, the mentality is just interesting. It's toxic though. And that, that, any anytime that happens, yeah, it's, you know, you're years away from a really unhealthy culture. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's just when that's, when it's an us versus them mentality, it's just, there's no way there's nowhere to go. There's never going to end up in like a positive culture at a, mm. at a business. So, yeah. Anyway, let's see here. Oh, one last thing. Well, well, I say one last thing. We, we you know, well, I'm sure we'll come up with something else. Uh, one thing to check out that I've been using recently, it's called the Ivy Lee method. What was that again? Sorry. The Ivy Lee method, sort of okay. like Ivy League, but it's yep. Ivy Lee, L-E-E. So the story goes that a guy who was like a steel plant manufacturer, like mogul, right? This guy's like a big deal, like made, you know, tons of money. Back in the day, this Ivy Lee guy was a consultant for like helping be people be more productive. Mm-hmm. And so this big steel mogul called Ivy Lee and said, Hey, you know, I, I'd, I'd really like to see if you can help our executives be more productive. Uh, you know, what, what is it going to cost me to get you here? And how much time is it going to take? And Ivy Lee told him, said, uh, I need 15 minutes with, with each of your executives. And at the end of six months, you can pay me whatever you think it's worth. So okay. nothing upfront. So he outlined this very simple process and the process is you, at the end of the day, you write down six things that you are going to do for the following day. The following day, you come in, you start at item one, you do nothing until item one is done at the end of item one, you do nothing until the item two is done at the end of the day. Anything that did not get accomplished moves to the top of your list. You write out the rest of the stuff for the next day. And that's it. That is the process. That is the Ivy Lee method. And at the end of six months, they had been so much more productive that he wrote him a check for like half a million dollars, pretty much in today's money is what it yeah. was. Wow! And so this, uh, this idea is just that, you know, there's a couple things behind it. It's like, number one, simplicity, simplicity for the win, right? Uh, you only are allowed to have six things. You can have less, but you're only allowed at the max to have six things. One of the things it does by having it done the day before is it allows you to prioritize without like, you know, without having urgent matters at hand, like immediately, right? So like you can really take the time to think about what is actually important that needs to be accomplished tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if somebody comes in with an emergency the following day, like if it's an actual emergency, fine. If it's not, then it goes to the next day, right? You write it on for your list, they can move down to the next yep. day. It removes the friction of getting started. So how many times do you come into work in the morning, you're like, oh, what am I going to get started on? Right? Like you have your list. Number one, you do this. So as soon as you get in, you already know what you're working on. There's no friction to getting started. You just do that. It forces you to single task. You can only do one thing at a time. So instead of bouncing around from thing to thing and getting to the end of the day and knowing you got a couple little things done on a lot of different stuff, you actually accomplished one thing or two things or three things, whatever. Anyway, it's been really interesting to try. I've asked my other teammates to do the same thing. And at the end of the day, I kind of say like, Hey, give me your six things you're going to work on for tomorrow. Or sometimes I'll say, hey, what are the six things that you're waiting on me for? Like, what are the things that I need to accomplish so yeah. that you can move on? Right. So this is just kind of like a rephrasing of like some of the other things that are out there already. But it's been really helpful if even if just, you know, just want to give it a try. I would suggest it.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I found a post on that. Uh, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I've just been reading through it. And unless you're looking at the exact same thing, I am, You you know this pretty well. So I will link this up in the show notes as well.
1: That was by heart. Can you imagine? Very good. That was my heart. I've I told a couple people about it that. though, so I've rehearsed it <laughs> probably a few times. So anyway, good. that's that. All right. Uh, before we go,
0: did you did you end up looking at Browser Shot?
1: Browser shot. Browser shot? Uh, You know what? We are using it. Yes, we are. We are using it now. Good. Uh, it's beautiful. Let me actually. You know what? I'm going to pull up the code real quick. Okay. So let me look real quick at how this is being used. Yeah. It's literally like you say, Browser Shot you know double colon html you pass in the html and save pdf that's it it's beautiful wow. it works nice. amazingly so yeah it works really well the couple of things that i've noticed is that it has a url at the bottom of the page specifying mm-hmm. what page it was printed from which is a little bit odd you okay. know what i mean but that's exactly what you'd expect like if you're printing from chrome it tells you like yeah. what the web address is but it ends up being some i assume you better remove that Maybe you probably can. There must be some config for it. But it also tells you what the page numbers are in the bottom right hand corner, which is actually good if you have like a multi page sort of document. So in our situation, what we end up having is this is one, we are capturing one document that will be a stream of a large number of documents that will get combined into one large PDF. So if you have a, if you have a document that breaks over multiple pages and you have no page numbers, it's hard to tell where one document starts and another one or one where one document ends and another one yeah. starts. So they've actually, but the page numbers was a, was a unintended or unknown consequence of switching to browser shop, but it's actually been helpful. So it's pretty cool. I would, uh, definitely suggest it, you know, of course, just like everything else that Spassi makes. It's incredibly easy to set up, incredibly easy to install. It has uh package auto discovery. So if you're using Laravel 5.5, uh, when you pull it in, it'll automatically push in those service providers and facades for you. So you don't have to do anything other than just say composer, install, spacy browser shot, or whatever. And it'll pull it all in and ready to go right off. I mean, like in, you know, two minutes. So Very it's pretty good. cool.
0: Yeah, I had a friend of mine say that he started playing around with it as well at uh, at his... His job, he had some issues, I think, with Unicode characters or something, but...
1: Ah, okay. Yeah,
0: he, on the back of hearing us talk about it, he went and rolled it out. I have the issue of using FPDF, and not only that, but I discovered that we have two distinct versions. I didn't discover, I knew, that we have two distinct versions of the same PDF generation for our invoices. One is in our internal CRM, and one is in our members portal. And I discovered this week that there was a bit of drift in the, the in two, how the, how the two output. Well, not the API, but just how the two look. Okay. So, some colors had changed. The the formatting of, of amounts had changed and things like that. So, need to figure out. Like, that that's probably one thing that we really need to extract into some kind of PDF generating microservice
1: that just gives you a URL to stream back to the user or something. Yeah. It just feels so much lighter. I don't know why. It feels so light and nice, knowing that it's like a Chrome headless browser. I just feel like I have the reliability of Chrome behind it, and I've always yeah. had great experiences with the Chrome. And so it just it feels solid. Like it feels reliable. I know I can look at it in the browser and know exactly what's going to come out of it. So I don't know. You know, a lot of this developer stuff that we have is so much of so much of it is sort of based on feeling, right? Like you test yeah. about like what makes you feel like. Your code base is reliable. You don't need a hundred percent coverage all the time, right? It's like, what, how do you feel about it? Or like, you know, you're looking at a piece of code and like, how do I feel about this code? Does this read well? Do I feel good about it? Right. So it's the same sort of thing. Like browser shot. I just, I feel good about it. Like I feel it's solid. It's made by Spassi. They're using it. It's backed by Chrome. I'm like, okay. This feels good. So, yeah. I never really felt that way with the other PDF generators I was using. I always felt like they were sort of hacky and like I just was like always unsure. Like, even though they worked, they always have worked. It's just always felt like, ugh, like that's so icky. Yeah. I just not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not confident in it. So,
0: yeah. Speaking of Chrome, just quickly before we, we do sign off, I I found that my Dusk tests don't work very well on my MacBook. I'm hmm. not using the headless version yet. So, the the screen dimensions okay. were. Incorrect. So it, it hadn't actually scrolled down to where a button was on the page. So all of my tests just failed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which was interesting.
1: I've had that happen too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is interesting. Yeah. So like um, my one of my developers wrote the dusk tests that we used on a Thunderbolt twenty seven inch monitor. Yeah. And then you'd go to write it. You'd go to run them on your MacBook and they'd all fail. Yeah. yeah. I um, I did
0: do some. It used to work. I think it works in the in newer like later versions of dusk where it will actually scroll to where that that thing is, I ended up writing like a little script to scroll to where that button was before trying to click on it. Uh, That's convenient. Yeah. (laughs) And that was mostly because the first issue I had was that Laravel debug bar would pop up on top of where the button was. And so then it complained that it couldn't click on the button. So... Yeah. Little nitpicks, but hey, we're we are like so far into the future with this stuff now than where yeah. we were with Selenium, yeah. you know, five ten years ago.
1: I just had to look at the legacy code base that was using Selenium for some tests and I was like, nope. I just <laughs> I like marked them as skipped. I was like, actually I think in my PHP unit I just said like don't even run these, like just skip them. Like they're not even uh, don't yeah. worry about it. All right, man. All I right. think it's a wrap. That is. All right, what's the tattoo on your arm? I got to know. That is.
0: Haven't you seen this before? This is my I don't know if uh, I have. It's Elvish. It's uh, my, my wedding date in, in Elvish. Nice.
1: You guys yeah, are so my, romantic.
0: My wife and I have uh, matching tattoos. Hers is on her ribs.
1: Nice. I am tattoo less. do not have any tattoos. Yeah.
0: No, I was very resistant. My wife has two or three like small ones around the place. Uh huh. And I, I never really wanted to, but I figured wedding date was pretty important. I said, I'll add to it when we have kids. We'll put kids' birth dates on there as well. In That's Elvish. super cool
1: yeah yeah that's super cool i i love i i mean i think it looks really good on some people like my mm. one buddy who i grew up with who we were best friends growing up he's got like sleeves and they look yeah. super awesome super yeah. jealous like, yeah my brother's I don't got think a whole I could bunch ever, of tattoos I don't as think I well could ever pull that off but nah. uh it looks awesome if yeah. you do it up right very cool all right shout out kyle harmer All right, guys, Thank and and, and girls, I do that sometimes. I always try and correct myself and catch myself, but it is 1251, so you'll have to give me some grace. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. What episode are we on? 35. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the North South. web podcast. We didn't even do our intro. Yeah. We're going to have to go back and do it. This is episode 35. If you want to get show notes for this episode, which you should, because we've got some really good links in there. Uh, you should check it out at northmeadsouth.audio slash 35. If you liked the show, feel free to rate us up on your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is the best. Four stars is mm, not quite as good. Three stars, don't bother. If you get three stars or lower, just talk to us. Just message us.
0: Yeah. You know what? We said
1: this on the last show and nobody nobody took us up on it. I said, like, if you want a shout out, just message us. We will give yeah. you a shout out. You have to give us some feedback, though, too. And give yeah. us a five-star rating, and we will totally do it. <laughs> uh, so do that. That would be awesome. And then uh, if you have any questions or comments for future episodes, feel free to hit us up on our personal Twitter accounts. So you can find us on the interwebs. We will be there. Yes, indeed. All righty. I think that's good. We're going to have to go back here. Let's, we're we're going to have to record our intro. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right, man. Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I
0: am Jake Bennett and welcome to episode 35 of
1: the north meet south web podcast there you go folks live on the air for you got it at the beginning and at the end we'll just leave that in there yeah we may as well (laughs) all right right, thanks everyone have a wonderful week we'll see you in a couple weeks see y'all bye bye